0: It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstock 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Now, here's your host, Casey Hendrickson.
1: Wise Money deserves wise legal counsel. Powered by Ledoux, Curran, and Keene. On the web at lck-law.com. Hey, good morning. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 953, Michiana's news channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. I'm here with Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory from Corhorn Financial Group. Of course, this is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on 953 MNC. Special guest, Mark Crenetti from Ledoux, Curran, and Keen, who regular listeners will recognize as our sponsor. Of course, they sponsor Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Mark is going to be helping us with the topic of estate planning today. In the second half of the show, we'll also answer some listener questions on topics that'll range from vintage motorcycle purchases and how to become a financial advisor. As always, I don't know why they would ever want to do that though. But seriously, Uh, as always, you can submit your questions by calling 574-222-2000. Leave your topic on the voicemail or you can get information about the show. Listen to previous shows. And of course, submit a question online by going to wisemoneyradio.com. So, guys, we don't have Mike with us today, but uh, you brought in a big gun, so to speak. You got a lawyer of all things in the studio. So why are you doing this to me?
2: Well, uh, Mike (laughs) is uh, hopefully enjoying a, a much deserved break. We've got Kevin in the studio, I think in body only. I'm not sure. He's mm-hmm. sick, so we might not even let him talk. Uh, otherwise, we'll all get uh, contaminated. But I appreciate you, know, you bringing that into an isolated, airtight room. Thank you. That's, <laughs> I'm glad that's to, amazing. Glad to do it. <laughs> for you to enjoy the rest of the day. No, we've, we've actually been looking forward to uh, this show for quite a while uh, because we've got Mark Crenniti here with us. Mark has been a, a longtime friend of our firm and, and my family, really. Uh, but he's been helping a lot of our clients to get their estate plans in place. He's been a great resource to them and uh that's that's actually one of the reasons why his firm is a sponsor of the show because of a great working relationship that we've had with them over the years. but I think he's the perfect attorney to have with us today because he's actually a cool guy. believe it or not. we found an attorney can I trust with a that from you though? well that, i you're, you're right my uh my yes. Assessment might be. You can trust that assessment. I can, I can trust that. I assessment. do hang out okay. with Kevin uh, right. every day. So, no, but he, uh, w- so one of my favorite Mark Crinity facts is that he's not only a lawman by day, but he's also a rock star. Are you going to admit that? I don't uh, know. Yeah, that's I, a, I, I've term. actually heard this first. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm using the, the term rock star very loosely there, but uh, he, you actually play in a band, right? And I've heard you and you're good. Uh, and I was surprised, no offense. But you're, you're good.
3: Well, not, the, the show has taken a turn from estate planning to <laughs> Mark's uh, No, no, I, I actually think that's the theme right. is consistent here, to be <laughs> yeah. honest with you. That is true. We uh, used to play in a band, but we get together once a year and we still play. So right. uh, he's, you're too charity, kind, Josh.
2: Charity events, right? That's right. Yeah. Well, that's no, good. It's, it's good stuff.
1: So, Mark, first of all, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Uh, before we get into estate planning, why don't you tell people a little bit more about yourselves, you know, beyond the recreational activity and why they should probably trust your opinion on this topic.
3: Yeah, be, beyond being a, a rock star and, as I think Josh said, a, a cool guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm, a, I'm an attorney here in town with Leduc Kern and Keene. I've been practicing law here in town for about 10 years now from South Bend area. Um, I have a uh, my wife and three kids, we live here in the area. I uh, went to Notre Dame, uh, went to law school up in Chicago and came back here in 06. Um, I uh, practice in estate planning. Um, I also practice in real estate and uh, some business litigation. And I uh, just want to thank you guys for having me on today. And thanks uh, to Kevin and Josh for uh, inviting me on and then and, and talking about estate planning, which is an important topic. And I, and I know there's a lot of notes on here keep it brief or a short, brief answer. I'm going to try my best. I, I am an attorney, but I'm going to try my best to, to not talk too please, much today. Please don't
1: filibuster the yeah. program. We only have an hour. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> but it's always good when we have these experts in, though, guys, because, you know, they provide that extra bit of professional input that, you know, they're experts in particular fields. And that's, that's why we have Mark here today. Now, no doubt, there's some listeners listening right now estate planning is not even on their radar. They're like, this isn't for me. Maybe I'm going to turn the
2: channel, listen to some music today. What would your advice be to them? I think there's a lot of people who go years without ever giving any attention to their estate plan. Either they don't want to think about a depressing topic like dying, or they don't think they have enough stuff to justify an elaborate estate plan or anything. But uh, giving attention to your estate plan is about planning ahead for unfortunate events that could create a mess for yourself or your family. And I'm not just talking about dying unexpectedly either. The, um, you know, Some people don't give a whole lot of thought to the question of um, what would happen uh, to your loved ones if you instead were in a, in a bad car accident and you couldn't make decisions for yourself. Who's going to interact with the doctors? Who's going to make uh, financial decisions or business decisions for you? And, you know, even questions like what's the best way to set up uh, ownership of your real estate or, you know, who should be the beneficiaries on your life insurance? Those are all estate planning topics that even just a basic estate plan can address for you.
4: Yeah, if you're listening today, if you can hear us, you need to have your estate plan in order. And you either have an estate plan that you've created and worked with an attorney to put in place or the government has an estate plan for you. So I think it's important, uh, no matter what phase of life you're in, that you want to listen closely uh, to some, hopefully some good tips that we'll have for you.
1: A lot of people don't realize there's, I mean, the government has that estate plan. I mean, there's, you know, if you don't get your priorities taken care of, then the government's going to make that decision for you. And most people understand that that's probably not going to be in the best interest of them or their loved ones. So, Mark, people who want to put together a basic estate plan, what types of documents are they going to need to have written
3: up and are they going to need to get together when they start to do this? Sure. Um, You know, typically people think of um, my will when they think of estate planning, which is a very critical piece of your estate planning. You you just mentioned uh, if you don't have a will, uh, the the government uh, has a will for you. It's called a statute of Intested succession, which they say where your stuff goes if you don't have a will, uh, which may work for some people, but everybody's different. So the statute is not a one-size-fits-all for all people. So um, the basic documents that you would have is the will, uh, which everybody kind of thinks of uh, with estate planning. But there's some other documents, too, that are as important, if not more important, than uh, a will. And Josh alluded to that earlier. There's uh, a power of attorney for finances. Um, which basically says who is making financial decisions for me if I can't. There's a health power of attorney, which it's the same concept, who's making medical decisions for me if I'm unable to do so. And then the fourth document is a living will declaration, which you're not designating anybody to do anything. What you're doing is declaring for the world what your preferences are in certain end-of-life situations. So you have the will financial power of attorney, healthcare power of attorney, and a living well declaration. So those are the four documents that everybody should uh, put in place for their basic estate plan. And as I've said before on previous shows, dealing with that personally,
1: uh, on a personal level, it is good that multiple people have copies of those documents because you never know when a relative in a tragic situation might temporarily kind of lose it, behave Mm -hmm. irrationally, that sort of thing. It's nice to have a backup. Uh, with another relative or somebody that you trust to have that authority. All right, so again, if you're just joining us, I want to remind everybody that we have Mark Cornetti joining us. He is with Ladue, Curran, and Keene. He is a lawyer, and we are talking about estate planning. And uh, Mark, uh, he just gave us four different estate planning documents that most people are probably going to need to have in place. And let's let's go... Um, after each one here. If you start with the
3: will, why would you need to have a will and what is that actually going to do for people? Sure, and we touched on this a little bit, but your will is essentially a document. It kicks in when you die and it says where your stuff goes. And if you have um, specific pieces of property that you want to go to specific people, um, if you have certain percentages of your estate that you want to give to certain people, if you have a charity that is near and dear to your heart, that you, you want to give um, as part of planned giving when you die. The Indiana Statute of Intested Succession isn't going to work for you. So you're, you're retaining some control on where you want your money and your estate to go when you pass. And Another critical point for a will, and especially for um, our younger listeners who have younger families, is for those folks, uh, a will is essential because you state in your will the preferences for a guardian. Who's going to take care of your kids in the event you and their other parent, uh, they pass away and they leave minor children? That's Um, a huge one, isn't it? I mean, that's probably for um, most of our clients, the most important part of the will, because money... It's very important, um, but it's not as important as making sure your kids are taken care of in the event you can't take care of them yourself.
4: So, Mark, what, what advice would you give to the young couple out there that has their first child or a couple of children and said, I, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not comfortable putting together a will because we don't really agree on who should take care of the children. Personally, we've seen a lot of folks procrastinate in putting these documents in place because they say, well, we don't want to sit down with an attorney and put anything together because we can't even agree on on who's going to take care of the children. What what advice would you give to that couple who's listening right now? I'd
3: say have a long, hard conversation with each other and select someone that you both can agree on. It may not be perfect, but um, I will tell you on the front end, it's a lot easier to... uh, Uh, come to terms on who you would want to take care of your kids in the event you couldn't. And it's much better to have someone lined up because if you don't, and if there's disagreement now, um, what's going to happen is there's going to be a proceeding in guardianship. It's going to go before a court and there's going to be a whole mess about, no, uh, these people are going to raise their hand and say, I want to take care of the kids. I think I should take care of the kids. And, when that's happening, no one's taking care of the kids. So you got to put, you know, put all that aside. Think about the best interest of your kids and decide on somebody to take care of them in the event you can't.
2: So would they just temporarily be like wards of the state or something in that scenario? Or what, you know, in that interim period while you're waiting for guardianship to be set by the courts, what, who is taking care of them?
3: Well, that's a great question. Um, and it would be... of the guardianship proceeding i mean there would be a uh some sort of temporary guardian put in place by the probate court somebody to to take care of the kids to make decisions for them um, because that's what the court's looking at we we don't care about grandma and grandpa and who thinks they should have the kids they're looking at the best interest of those kids so what you want to do is avoid all of that avoid all that uncertainty and, um, and, and select someone that as you're sitting there right at that moment, who would be the best candidate to take care of your kids. Mm-hmm. And, and again, you got to put a, put aside what, you know, your, in, you, your parents would think if you named your in-laws or vice versa, because sure that's knows. a common, that's a common yeah. issue for younger. Well, if I tell, if I, if we name my parents... What are what are your parents going to think, and vice versa? You got to put all that aside, and you got to think about what's in the best interest of your kids. Yeah, who's going to be the best
1: place for your kids to be raised, and who's going to raise them the way that you want your kids to be raised, or at least closest Mm -hmm. to that? That's exactly right. Sometimes your parents aren't exactly those people. I think. uh, (laughs) <laughs> I think a lot of us who rebelled a little bit might uh, be able to relate to that a little bit. Uh, so, okay, we left off on Will. Coming up in the next segment, we're going to talk about power of attorney, healthcare representatives, and some of the other documents that you need. And again, we have Mark Crenitti. He is an attorney with Ladue, Curran, and Keen, who is in here talking about estate planning. we got more coming up on Wise Money with Quorum Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel.
1: Hey, good morning. Welcome back. I want to thank you for tuning in. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory joining us. And a special guest today, Attorney Mark Crenitti from Ladue, Kern & Keene. We're talking about estate planning. We had gone over the four documents that you need, and we had just kind of been, been going over the will. And we've also got power of attorney and health care representative to get to. So what about those?
2: Well, before we go there, I, I might circle back a little bit to the will where we left off because, um, you know, we were talking about choosing a guardian for the kids and that was eye-opening to me to give some thought to, boy, what happens if you don't have that chosen before you pass away? That's probably the
1: toughest decision that my wife and I have ever had to
2: make. And yeah. we've had to change it a couple of times
1: because circumstances have happened with other relatives too. So it's a very tough choice.
2: Right. Well, not only is there a choice on who takes care of the kids, but often inside of a will, when you have young kids, you can build in something known as a testamentary trust, which is basically uh, a way of setting up uh, uh, someone who could be in the role of taking care of the money for the kids until they're old enough to receive it from you as well. And that's a whole other set of decisions, but it all comes into play inside of that will. So um, you know, beyond just choosing... Uh, who your beneficiaries are, choosing who is going to take care of the kids, choosing who's going to take care of the, the money. That can all be paralyzing to people. And uh, at break, Kevin was making the comment or, or the argument for why you should not wait on this. Even though it's a really hard decision, there is some peace of mind, I guess, that you could offer, right?
4: Well, I, w- I would encourage folks to- To get something in place, something is better than nothing, even if it's imperfect. And when you think about the will, some of the things contained in the will happen when you die, but some of the things contained in your will happen only at the second death. So if I were to die, my wife would take care of the children. We're not discussing which relative would be taking care of the kids. My wife would. So really, that choice of who takes care of the kids happens, goes into effect at the second death. So when you look at that, the, the odds or the probability of that ever going into effect are actually fairly low, although it does happen, which is why you want to have these things in place, right? Kind of.
2: Well, in a way you're describing, you know, plan A is for the two of you to be alive and raise the kids up into great adulthood, right? Yep. Plan B is what happens if one of you passes away. Yep. We're talking about plan C and maybe even D here. There's nothing wrong with listing, you know, maybe your slightly more preferred uh, couple to take care of the kids and then someone in line after them if they can't serve. You know, so you could build in plan C, D, and E if you needed to for the kids. But like you said, don't go with just plan A.
4: Right. Don't go with just plan A and... If there's some controversy over who takes care of the kids, if we get to plan C, and I guess, Mark, I'd ask you to weigh in on this, but I've just said, look, you don't have to make a big deal about it. It This this isn't something that has to come out at Thanksgiving or Christmas time where you make an announcement with 30 family members there and say, hey, listen, uh, we've decided to go with none of you. Uh, our next if you want to have <laughs> a fun Thanksgiving,
3: though, that's exactly no, what you do. Yeah, and that's a great point on, on guardianship issues. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of the other designations, you may want to give people a heads up. Hey, I've named you as my attorney, in fact, for financial issues, or I've named you as my healthcare care person. Um, if there is sensitivity on guardianship, you don't have to tell anybody. The important part is get it down. And, and, and on, on this idea of this being a paralyzing and a difficult decision it is and i think that's what deters a lot of people from ever doing anything right. is because they say okay well they think five steps ahead as a, as opposed to thinking one step ahead these are fluid documents that's an important thing to to keep in mind once you prepare these documents it's not as if they're set in stone and can never be changed life the changes yep. life changes these documents should change so if you want to name your parents even though they're older than you as your guardian cuz your kids really love your parents and your parents are always around. Name your parents. And you know what? In 10 years, five, 10 years, when your parents are older, you can change that. Right. So again, get something down now. That's the important thing. Now, what Good about advice. the power of attorney and the healthcare representative? Josh, you want to jump in on this? or
2: Well, I mean, these are, these are two documents that are really important for you to choose a person that, or people that you really trust because they're, they're serving in a role that's a decision-making role. And you're kind of surrendering some control to them in the situation where you don't have the ability to make decisions for yourself. So power of attorney, financial power of attorney specifically, Mark mentioned earlier, that's giving someone else the ability to transact business or you know, carry out financial decisions if you're incapacitated, or in some circumstances, if you're out of the country, out of town, you can't carry out those wishes on your own. Um, it, it gives maybe your spouse or someone else the power to do it. Healthcare representative is, is um, or healthcare power of attorney is the same concept, but it's giving someone the ability to interact with the doctors or nurses if, yeah, you know, you're unconscious or you can't make competent decisions about your own health as well.
3: Yeah, ju- just briefly on that too. You want someone you can trust, but in those those documents too, if you can, if it's possible, it's always good to have someone that's relatively around you mm, and like local, local, yeah, uh, because those are snap decisions that will usually need to be made with sure. your executor when they're set, which is the person in charge of uh, in your will of making sure your stuff goes where it's supposed to go. That job is after you pass it's a longer process so if if they're from out of town and they have to come in to settle your affairs after your death that's fine but if a snap decision needs to be made on medical issues or financial issues it's it's preferential to have someone local i mean you want someone you trust that's the biggest thing but if you can have someone local
2: so we were talking earlier about the consequences of not having your guardianship laid out in your will when you pass away what happens if you know, I, I get in that uh, awful car accident and I'm in a coma for the next six months and I don't have a power of attorney in place. What happens in a circumstance like that? What would my wife need to do or, or any of our listeners facing a similar situation?
3: Well, if you don't have it designated on the front end, um, you would have to get it designated on the back end. And what that essentially is, is you would have to go to a, a judge Mm-hmm. And you would have to raise your hand and and apply to be the guardian or the uh, of the person in a state of of whomever needs to be acted for
2: even if that's a spouse like my my wife wouldn't be able to just kind of take over on on my behalf. she'd have to go to court and get some sort of a guardianship or conservatorship or something for me? Is that, is yeah, that right?
3: Yeah. I mean, for certain decisions, yes. Um, because um, if it's res- with respect to, to property that you both own, right, mm-hmm. joint property that you have, joint checking that you have, uh, it, you can act as a spouse if you have those rights already <laughs> built into whatever property you're talking about. And I'm talking about finances here. Right, right. But if it's property, if it's single property that I own and my wife doesn't, and my wife wants to sell it. Yeah. Good point. She, so she's got to go to be, be, be appointed a uh-huh. uh, guardian, uh, uh, or, or a rep in and order to do that.
2: That could be property you own. It could be an investment account that's just in your name, maybe a retirement account. Right you'd have to be given the authority by the courts. Yep. In other words, yep. I'm assuming that that's a, I don't know, a time, uh, uh, a, a big time taker or a big money, uh, cost, uh, to, to these folks, or how does that work? Typically,
3: typically not. I mean, okay. if it's, um, if it's a spouse, it's, it's going to be relatively un- undisputed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's pretty cut and dry. What, what happens is if it's, uh, grandpa Joe, or uh, Uncle, Uncle Jim, and there's maybe five people that are holding their hands out saying, I think I should be it. That's when you get more time and expense if you have kind of competing claims to, to being the guardian.
1: Okay. All right, again, when we have uh, attorney Mark Crenitti from LaDue Kern & Keene, he is joining us talking about uh, your estate plan. And I think a lot of people are learning that, yeah, okay, this is not something that you put off in life. This is pretty important, especially for young couples who have children but there's other things involved. Uh, we mentioned living will earlier, and that is different than a will. For those of you who don't know, we're going to explain the difference coming up on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on stock 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on stock 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.
1: Good morning. want to thank you for tuning in. News Talk five three, Michiana's news channel. Once again, this is Wise Money with Warren Financial Group, and we have a very special guest with us today, Mark Crenitti. He's a lawyer with Ladue, Curran, and Keen. We are talking about estate planning, and we had left off with a living will. Now, a living will is different than a will, so kind of explain what a living will is and why people need it, Mark. Sure. Um, a
3: living will is uh, um, a document which declares what your preferences are uh, if you're in an end-of-life situation. I think uh, for all of us, uh, we may remember the Terry Schiavo case. Uh, um, down in Florida? Down in Florida, a gal was uh, on a feeding tube for 15 years um, and uh, essentially in a persistent vegetative state for 15 years um, and went through litigation. A husband wanted to remove the feeding tube. Parents didn't want to remove the feeding tube. And the whole reason, there was this prolonged dispute was because nobody knew what she wanted because she hadn't declared in a writing husband said one thing, the parents said that's right. And that's right. So, so what, what a living will does is avoids that, um, that issue. It it declares for the world. If, if I've got an incurable injury or disease, I'm going to die in a short period of time and medicine's not going to help. Then allow me to die and uh, with w- w- stop giving me life-sustaining treatment, or if I'm in a persistent vegetative state, and a doctor says there's no possibility of higher mental function, then uh, st- stop the medicine, stop the ventilator, and, and and let me pass. And 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 you declare that. Uh, other than the other documents, you're n- you're not designating anybody to do anything in this document. You're not putting anything on anybody's plate. You're really taking. Stuff off other people's plate. You're making what's a difficult situation maybe a little bit easier because people know this is what mom wants or this is what dad wants. Um, so you you're giving
2: that though as a preference, right? That's right. So so this is not like legally binding. They don't have to do it. Is that my is that the right understanding?
3: Right. Well, yeah, it is. It's just it's it's a preference, right? So as far as uh, whether a healthcare um, uh, uh, appointee is legally obligated to uh, do what the declaration says at that point. No, mm-hmm. they're not. It's a preference. And hopefully um, you've designated someone as your healthcare rep right. that you trust. And that's going to carry out your preferences. Um, it's not, it's not to say your preferences won't eventually be, um, it, you know, won't happen. Um, you may have to go through litigation to have a judge say, Hey, you know, stop the treatment. But um, it at least, it's at least better than your reps n- having no idea what you want. Well, it
2: and helps again, alleviate have, the guilt to that, sure. uh, you know, maybe a loved one might have for pulling the plug, so to speak. And make sure multiple people have that document just from personal experience
1: with that. Yeah, make
3: sure sure your physician has a document. It gets its way into your medical records.
1: Absolutely. Very good point. All right, so there's more to estate planning than just talking with an attorney and paying them to write up documents and forms for them. So, I mean, what else is involved here?
2: To me, it's also about making sure that you have things set up properly, like beneficiary designations. If you have an investment account... Uh, a retirement account, for example, whoever you have named as a beneficiary on that account is going to receive the money because the investment company has a contractual obligation to give them the money, even if your will says something different. So it's important to make sure that uh, things like these beneficiary uh, choices are consistent with the rest of your estate plan. Um, But in reality, those uh, beneficiary designations are even more efficient than a will anyway. Because it it goes to um, your your heirs, ultimately, without having to go through a probate process. And that's one thing that we haven't really mentioned. We, we've mentioned it in passing, but it may be worth defining for our listeners. Do you mind sharing what in the world probate is, Mark?
3: Sure. Um, probate is a process. I mean, when someone dies, whether they have a will or without a will, when they die, their property becomes property of their estate. So magically your property, if it's part of your estate, doesn't just go where you want it to go because you've passed, right? So there's a process in, in getting the property out of your estate and to the people where it's supposed to go that you've either declared you want it to go in your will or whether where the the Indiana statute says it's Mm -hmm. supposed to go. And that's the probate process. And what, what essentially is involved is you have to go to court. You, uh, you have to, whoever is the personal representative or executor, if you have a will, needs to be appointed by a judge. And then they go through the process of inventorying your assets because you, you may have a checking account at this bank, a savings account at this bank. Um, you, you basically collect all the asset. If uh, if you're in the unfortunate situation where you have creditors, then those creditors need to be notified. And there's a process for those creditors raising their hands and saying, I, I, I get a piece of, of whatever's in that pot of assets. And so you gotta, you gotta resolve those issues. And then once you've resolved, uh, any creditor claims, you distribute the funds to whoever is entitled to receive them. And then you account for all that and you close the estate. So that's kind of a, just a little thumbnail sketch of the process. And, 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 um, You know, it depends as far as how complicated that is, how expensive that is. If you have heirs that uh, can't get along and and you couple that with a whole bunch of creditors, it can be an expensive and lengthy process. If you have an estate where everybody, all the heirs get along and is debt free, then it's a pretty straightforward, simple and, and cost effective process.
2: Well, and like I was saying before, many of your assets don't even have to go into the estate, as you called it. If there are beneficiaries' name, because it goes directly to them. Um, same thing with uh, like joint ownership. When you own your house jointly with a spouse, you don't have to go through the probate par- process to move the house from your joint name to your surviving spouse's name, right? It's a, a much more quick and efficient uh, process. You don't have to get the attorneys involved. That's right. <laughs> now where
1: does where does taxes come in on all of this? Let's say you have a you know wealthy uncle or something you never met, they give you some money. I mean, you know, what kind of taxes everybody's are you looking to dream, pay on that? Yeah, <laughs> wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. They never met me, but they love me so much to give me millions of dollars, it would be great. <laughs> Well, but the, where do taxes
3: come? Yeah, in? the the good news is is for income tax purposes, inheritances are tax free, so they're not they're not included in your uh, taxable income. And uh, uh, until about two, three years ago, roughly two and a half years ago, uh, Indiana had an inheritance tax, a state inheritance tax, uh, but that's been repealed. So when you're talking taxes. Uh, in estate planning, really, the taxes that you're thinking about are what's called federal estate taxes. And essentially what that is, is if you have a big mound of money and you're in a top, very top echelon of wealth, then you may be taxed uh, by the federal government, um, which results in less of your estate eventually going to your beneficiaries.
2: Well, and I'm glad that you mentioned income taxes because uh, those are the ones that are more likely to come into play for people. If there, there are certain assets that if you inherit them, there could be still an IOU to the government attached to them. And uh, some good examples of that might be a 401k or an IRA that you inherit from a parent, maybe. Uh, they never paid the tax on those dollars, and you as the beneficiary will end up paying it eventually. But what about... A lot of people wonder, okay, what kind of taxes are going to apply? It it always depends on what you're inheriting. Kevin, what about life insurance? That's a big big question that we often uh, hear from people.
4: Yeah, that's a great question, Josh. You want to make the distinction between estate taxes, federal estate taxes, or state estate taxes. And income taxes. So when you look at it from an income tax perspective, life insurance proceeds are income tax-free.
2: What about real estate? Like uh, you inherit a house from your parents.
4: If I inherit a house from mom and dad, my value in the house, my basis in the house is their date of death value. So if they gave it to me as a gift before they died, my basis would be their basis. If they died and gave it to me, through a will or a trust, that basis would get stepped up to the date of death value. In,
3: in it, and just to be clear, there would be no tax consequences to the beneficiary when they received it. They wouldn't pay tax on the value. Because the estate
2: would have already paid them, is that what you're saying? No. No, because there's, there's no, there's there's no, no tax. tax. Yeah, oh, right, so, on the house,
3: you're saying. On the house. Okay. But when they resell it, the tax that they will realize right. will depend
4: on the, the, the basis of the house.
2: Okay, what mm-hmm. about savings bond?
4: Ooh. So I know this is a jargon-free zone, but uh, in the biz, (laughs) we like to call this an IRD asset or income in respect to the decedent. So a savings bond is fairly similar to an IRA or a 401k. The person would have paid for that bond. So if I bought a, a $50 bond, I paid $25 for it. If the value of it is now $50 and I die and you inherit it, When you cash that bond in, you pay taxes on the difference or whatever the gain is.
2: Which would be like the interest that's accrued on the bond over the Mm -hmm. years. Okay. You bet. So the interest would be taxable. The original principal or the original investment would come out tax free. That's correct. Okay. So one last one uh, that we often see people inheriting annuities.
4: Well, that's a great question. If it's... If it's a retirement plan annuity, it, for instance, and in, it's an IRA that's in an annuity, it's like that. Everything that comes out of that will be taxed at ordinary income tax rates. If it's non-retirement money, so if you wrote a check for fifty thousand dollars out of your bank account, put it in an annuity, and it grew to a hundred thousand, that growth is tax deferred. If you die, whoever inherits that will pay ordinary income tax on the gain. So when you think of an annuity, it's either partially taxable or totally taxable, depending on whether it was a, a retirement tax-favored uh, vehicle or not.
2: Yeah, I feel like we could go line by line through all the different things that people could yep. inherit. And the the point is, is that some things are are better to inherit than others from an income tax standpoint. Not all inheritances are created equal. And uh, it creates some tax planning opportunities. This is a place where your estate planning and maybe your investment planning all needs to be married in with tax planning. So if you don't have someone who's helping you coordinate all that, then you need to. If you're not taking a comprehensive approach to financial planning, then you could be missing something here.
1: Corhorn.com could be one of those
0: places, Corn with a K.
1: Just saying. You're listening to Wise Money on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Got more coming up right next.
0: This is Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.
1: Wise Money deserves wise legal counsel. Powered by Leduc, Curran, and Keene. On the web at lck-law.com. Welcome back. Once again, you're listening to News Talk 95.3, Michigan's news channel. Casey Hendrickson here. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. We've got uh, Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory, special guest today. It, attorney Mark Criniti he's from Leduc, Current, and Keene. And we have been talking about estate planning. So, guys, somebody's listening to the show today. They haven't started the estate planning process, and, you know, they want to get this going now. Now they realize it's something they need. What's the process for doing that? I mean, I assume they can just go online and download some forms, and they'll be good to
3: go, right? Well not advisable. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I guess between nothing and that, that may be uh, just a a wee bit better. But um, I think the real benefit of having an attorney work with you uh, to develop your estate plan or to help you develop your estate plan as opposed to uh, an online service is kind of what we've been talking about today. You don't get the benefit of a discussion like this. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't get the benefit of understanding why am I signing these documents? Who should I be considering serving in these roles? What should I be thinking about? I think that's the real value in in working with an attorney and a financial planner kind of collectively to help you is you don't get that with, with an online service. Right, a
2: sounding board in other words, right? Someone to ask you the tough questions or help coach you through the the right decisions or conversations. If I was gonna summarize the process that I would encourage someone to go through, there's a bunch of conversations that you and your spouse ought to have before you even go talk to an attorney. To me, step one is figuring out who's gonna play the key roles during your lifetime. That would be the power of attorney or the healthcare representative. Those people that you're going to trust to make decisions when you can't make decisions yourself. Those are hard decisions uh, or hard choices to make, and you want to have a conversation with your spouse. Typically, you would be choosing your spouse first, but then who's the backup plan? Who's second and third in line? After you have the, the roles selected during your lifetime, then you can look at who's going to have certain roles after you pass away. This could be the executor of your will, or we talked earlier about the guardian for your kids or the trustee of your trust. There there are certain roles that you need someone to play when you pass away. At that point, I would encourage you to turn your attention then to who will be the recipients of all your stuff when you pass away. So the beneficiaries, who do you want to not only receive that old hutch that you inherited from your grandma, Um, but also who's going to be named uh, as beneficiary on your investment accounts at work. Um, You know, picking uh, not not only a primary uh, beneficiary, which would typically, again, be your spouse. You would first leave things to a spouse, but what happens if they're not around to inherit the money from you? then who's second or third in line as well. When you've got the recipients uh, in place, you've talked through a lot of the important decisions and you may be ready to start having that conversation with an, inter- an attorney. That's where you seek out the advice of an estate planning attorney or a financial advisor who can coach you through Putting the actual plan in place, drafting the right documents, getting the right ownership structured—all of that.
1: And one of the reasons I brought that up is we have a question from Susan from Goshen, and she wrote in about this very topic. And she said, "My husband and I have never had an estate plan. We feel that we need to get it in place as health is faltering." I'm really sorry to hear about that, Susan. By the way, and mm-hmm. you know, how do you feel about online legal services that can prepare the documents much more inexpensively than any local attorneys that we found? And. and so people are. I think they're going online because they just think they're going to save a ton of money by going online and doing it. But you know that they're not
3: going to be able to necessarily get their ducks in a row. One thing I would add. I think everything Josh said was right. I would uh, in my kind of process. I think uh, it's very beneficial to talk to an attorney or or uh, you know someone like Josh or Kevin who who understand the importance of the process on the front end. Um, some some people don't even know what documents are at play. Um, They don't know before they can talk about who do we want to be the attorney in fact. They may not even know about a durable power of attorney. They may just know, hey, I've heard Mm -hmm. I need a will and I I need an estate plan. I think there's value on the front end to a lawyer of having a conversation like this, explaining to them the documents and the importance to kind of charge them on their thought process on who they should be thinking about acting for them who they should be thinking about leaving property to and in what percentages, uh, charitable giving through, all of those things. And I I, I think conversation on the front end helps them uh, uh, ask those tough questions to each other and have those discussions with each other to help them identify those people. And, and again, you don't get that with a legal Zoom or an online service. You get um, a fillable uh, PDF okay. and you plug and chug information and it spits out a document, which again... Maybe better than nothing, but I, I find it's important to know what documents you're having, why you're having them, and to think through those important issues.
1: We've got less than a minute left, but do you think that people have an unreasonable expectation of how expensive it's going to be to talk to an attorney about these things?
2: I think a lot of people, you know, there's a stereotype out there that every time I talk to an attorney, the meter's running and the uh, the clock is ticking, the, the fee is racking up, and um, But a basic estate plan, which is what we've been talking about today. I mean, there are much more elaborate estate plans that you can put in place and spend thousands of dollars. But it should be a few hundred dollars um, to put the right estate plan in place. And to me, the advice and the, the guidance that you can get from a good attorney or a good advisor is worth every penny.
1: All right, sounds good. Mark, we want to thank you very much for joining us, man. It's been a, been great having you here. Great advice. Again, Mark Cronetti is the attorney with uh, Ladue Kernan-Kean, King, is a sponsor, of course, of Wise Money. And you've been listening to Wise Money. I want to remind everybody that if you have a question for us, you can call us on the voicemail, 574-222-2000. Leave your question on that voicemail, or you can visit the website at wisemoneyradio.com. We'll see you next week on Wise Money with and Financial Group, right here on Newstalk 953, the Shanna's News Channel.
0: Securities are offered through Securities America Inc. Member FINRA SIPC. Financial advisors offer advisory services through KFG Wealth Management, LLC, doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC, Corhorn Financial Group, KFG Insurance Agency, and KFG Tax and Business Services are separate entities from Securities America Inc. Tax services provided by KFG Tax and Business Services and insurance services provided by KFG Insurance Agency. Listen again next week to Wise Money on News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel.